Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon, battling a minor cold. And Jack, how are you today? <laughs> I'm not battling a minor cold. Are you sure it's not the coronavirus? You know, I feel pretty confident because the symptoms of the coronavirus are like not what I have. So. Okay, okay. Just Don't you have sure. a cough? Isn't that like a big coronavirus symptom? <laughs> I have no idea. All well, I know let me, is let me check now. There's a case of it in Manhattan, and I had to go into Manhattan yeah. yesterday for work, and I was not... The amount of times I washed my hands yesterday was crazy. I've actually been doing the opposite where I haven't <laughs> washed my hands in weeks and I've been trying to infect others. And the reason for that is if I can get this and beat it, build up an immunity. <laughs> no, but there's so much online about people like washing their hands. And I'm like, were you not washing your hands before this? Yeah. I, yesterday I was a little compulsive about it. No, no, I'm not but saying like, you. No, I mean, I like, there are people that are like, oh, I've started washing my hands before, like, after eating. I I'm use like, the what? bathroom, I, yeah. I use, I wa- after I take the, never, never mind, I won't go that deep, but <laughs> like, you're right. Yeah, like, you're were you not doing that before? Like, it makes me question a lot of things. My favorite thing also is the rush on hand sanitizer when people be like right next to a sink with soap and water and be like, I got all my hand sanitizer. <laughs> it's like, if only there was another way. Who was I? Oh, Izzy last night. I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast, but she's like, where's, where's my hand sanitizer? I need my hand sanitizer. Like while we're in the apartment. And I was like, you know, you can just, you know, there's like, there's two sinks in this apartment that you can wash your hands with. Like you don't need to spend 15 minutes looking for the hand sanitizer. But <laughs> there are other ways. <laughs> it looks like fever, cough, shortness of breath are all important. I've had no cough. So yeah, pretty good. Apparently it's hard to breathe when you're on coronavirus. So I, yeah. I get it mixed up with me walking upstairs. <laughs> yeah. I might have the coronavirus. <laughs> Cause I get to the top of the landing and I'm like, <gasps> and I'm like, frick, I have the Corona. No, I think I, it's also, yeah, it's also kind of ridiculous how many people definitely like me have a cold and are like, well, maybe I have it. It's like, no, please don't go to your doctor and you can like call and ask, but uh, probably okay. I do. I, I've been meaning to ask you this question actually on the podcast and yeah. I always forget, but uh, what's the tea for today? 
Oh, I haven't had any tea yet today, honestly. Oh. I think I might do. I have to watch. UVA doesn't play until recording this on a Wednesday. They don't play till nine tonight. God, another just... nine tip. Yeah, but it's at Miami, so I'm not in Miami, so I'm just like watching it. I'm just streaming it and then writing something up. But like nine o'clock, man, trash. So I'll probably do some sleepy time tea later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Ease into the the bed. I'll do sleepy time and then down some Nyquil. And oh God, severe Nyquil is my favorite thing when I'm sick. See, I haven't used the severe. It always scares me when it says that on the thing. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, it's normal. With severe, you have to allot at least eight hours of sleep. Because <laughs> you're that. dead. Like you, because normal NyQuil, I don't know if it's a placebo thing or like, I don't know. But I just feel like normal NyQuil doesn't really make me that tired anymore. Maybe because I've been drinking it um, on the side mixed with Sprite for my entire life. But um, oh, that, just kidding. That's, that's not true. I don't <laughs> do that for all the federal agents that listen to this, the FBI agents. Um, but Severe NyQuil knocks me right out. I love it. That's that's impressive. I always forget that like Severe NyQuil and NyQuil are like, they have to like check your ID because I was buying it at the self checkout at Target and I swiped that and I started swiping my other things and they weren't going. I was like, what in the hell? And then, <laughs> then like the guy came over. He's like, I got to check your ID. I was like, for what? <laughs> like, like I have a cold and I'm buying. And I was like, oh, right. Here you go. Same with Cl- Claritin D. You have to go up to the pharmacist That's- and they have to sign it out to you. Claritin D is like, you might as well just eat a piece of paper. Claritin D does absolutely nothing. <sighs> <laughs> might as well eat a piece of paper <laughs> all right that's what it tastes like it's just like a little piece of cotton it does nothing anyway i guess we should talk about sports here as i battle through my severe illness that is not a coronavirus yeah um, um jump let's right, start. Let's jump right in yeah let's start with men's men's hoops they've got the ca tournament this week so they that's, do. <laughs> what, yep. that's exciting breaking it down jamie's there i haven't looked at the bracket which is the first time since following jamie men's basketball that i get to look at a conference tournament bracket this close to the tournament well i don't care that's yeah that's why i didn't look <laughs> i'm gonna pull it up i am too as we speak i think the one seeds hofstra yes um, that sounds correct the they also just don't lay it out in like a printer friendly way i know like like i want to see it like can we talk about hercules tires too the official mid-major championship sponsor what is that who's sponsoring this yeah it's it's the ca men's basketball life. championship presented by hercules tires are these televised on flow sports at least so no not watch them no they're on somewhere on flow the big ones are on the best streaming service known to man not this even stream. C- it's on CBS Sports Network. Those are what is that? Semifinals, semifinals, and championship. Okay, quarters so is off. So we don't have to worry about JMU getting on then. JMU um, has yet to advance past the quarterfinal round with Coach Rowe at the helm. However, they well, are and Brady sucked. One. How many years has it been? Yeah, they haven't gotten to the semifinals in a long time. But the good news is, in the first round, they're two and one under Rowe. I think that's oh. the only thing he has a winning record in. And I'll have to get to my take. I think they can make a run. So do you and... want to just jump into that take? Yeah, now? I let's think do that yeah, as we pull look, up the brackets. We do have real quick. Um, first day will be Drexel UNCW. JMU's taking on Elon, and that there. stinks for JMU because JMU absolutely owns UNCW. <laughs> <laughs> They're two and sixteen <laughs> in the CA, two and zero against UNCW. <laughs> so that is phenomenally disappointing. Well, according to your take, that's actually advantageous to the Dukes. 
here's the thing. A lot of coaches and people will tell you that it's really hard to beat a team three times. So I think JMU's out here playing chess while the other team is playing checkers. <laughs> JMU has lost to every team in the conference except UNCW twice, making it nearly impossible for them to lose in the conference tournament just because it's so hard to beat a team three times. So actually, I think this is an incredible strategy by Coach Rowe, who is probably saving his players. This is why Michael Christmas barely plays, because he's saving <laughs> his top players. He's resting them for what really matters, and that's the ability to get into a 16-seat playing game in the NCAA tournament. See, no, but I was, <laughs> I, was, I was legitimately looking at it this morning, and I saw they played Elon in the winter and played William Mary, and I was like, this wouldn't be crazy, right? They could beat Elon, play William Mary, and then I, like, remembered how they play defense, and I was like, instead what's going to happen is they're going to lose to Elon. Maybe they upset Elon, then they're going to lose to William Mary if they do get through, and then they're going to have a new coach on Monday. See or not a new coach, a lack of coach on Monday. I do think they can beat Elon, and I kind of expect them to win that first-round game just because it seems like Roe has that. I mean, he's 2-1 and one in first-round games, and... <laughs> it's his thing. Like, yeah, he's 1-1 one and one in games he coached the duration of. True. Um, <laughs> but they played Elon well, at least the first time, right? Or am I completely mixing that up? They've lost... They lost to Elon by nine at Elon. They kind of sucked, and then they played him and lost by eight. But, like, Elon's a team that they can certainly Yeah, I mean, Elon's not a great team. They're not, like, right. William and Mary. If you're playing on this first day. Yeah, you're yeah. not. You, neither <laughs> of these teams are great. So, honestly, if, if I was a betting man, which I am, it's really a coin flip with Elon and JMU. <laughs> honestly, I'd probably take the dog in that one, whoever it is, like, in, a, in betting senses. Like, just because you're odds, it's such a coin flip that – honestly just take the dog because there's just as much of a chance as them winning and then the favorite but yeah then they go on to face William and Mary Jamie or Elon and whoever does that no one can match up against Nathan Knight on Elon's squad or Jamie's squad as much as I love Dwight Wilson Nathan Knight is a solid NBA draft prospect and there's no right. way you're matching up with him so when it comes you could always put I mean you could always put Quinn Ritchie on him or something if you really need to show the game <laughs> <laughs> when you texted me that you texted me today and you were like i well, think jmu has a run in it i thought you were being honest i was and then i i was being honest and then i like just started to remember how the team plays defense and then i did a radio interview with dave thomas about uva and he just sounded kind of sad when he talked about jmu <laughs> um so, no, but I mean, I think he was talking too, and we were just talking off the record, but he was talking about, you know, hoping they're able to get that 10th that win and, and maybe get something going. But it's the way he saw it was it's kind of a matter of if they'll, um, you know, if they can be locked in, like if you can go 9 and 20 and then lock in for the conference tournament, like that would be the ability to make a run is if they show up mentally. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's got to be hard when Rose all but gone, you're 9 yeah. and 20. I don't know. I mean, I know they're tweeting about it being March, like, win or go home, but I don't yeah. know. I have a pretty good feeling they'll be going home pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, not much you can do at this point. But the bracket's favorable. Look, you play Elon. If you somehow upset William Mary, you get Towson or Northeastern. If they do make it to the semis, it would get kind of fun because Towson Northeastern, I don't think either team is overwhelming. And then you would, you know, if you're able to get through that, you're in a championship. Obviously, they're probably going to lose like in the yeah. first two games. But we said this before, and we'll, we'll say it again. It would at least be interesting. But, I mean, when I think about it, like, it, from a fan perspective, I don't know that I even really want them to win it. 
because they're going to be a 16 play-in. And then if they win that game as a 16 play-in, JMU's going to be like, we won an NCAA tournament game. It's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And then they'll get wiped by a one. And then, like, is that worth it? And then maybe they even have to talk about keeping Roe, who's not – I don't want to say he's driven the program into the ground, but he's not lifting it up. Yeah. So I think at this point, the best thing for JMU, and I know the players don't want this, and you'll never really root against JMU, but the best thing for the program probably is just, like, win a game, lose to William Mary in a competitive game, and then on uh, – uh, Monday, you make a move. Yeah, forward. and kind of as a in in a broader sense of it all, you want the CAA to put in the best team possible. It's a very good point into the NCAA tournament for the money perspective. I mean, the CAA low key is kind of struggling when it comes to money, and yeah. by losing what VCU and Richmond and Mason, all those teams that had a Cinderella run in them, all of that money that they won because every every round you win in March Madness the conference gets money to divvy up to the respective schools in the conference. So when Mason made that amazing run back in what, 2004. That sounds right. Yeah. That money lasted a while because it's doled out. It's a lot of money over a lot of years. And then as that was kind of drying up, VCU made the fantastic run while they were right. still in the CAA. And now that money has all but dried up. And the CA in the last couple of years have not put in, I mean, UNCW was probably in 2016. Yeah. 2016 was probably the last year CAA put in a somewhat good competitive team and UNCW went and almost upset Duke in the first round, but they, they lost. And the CAA, I don't think it's had a team make it to the second round of games in a long time. So for the CAA, you don't want JMU to win the CAA championship. You want a team like Hofstra, or Charleston, any of the top five seeds, I can yep. see making getting at least a first round win, depending on how things shake up. More so Hofstra, just because Hofstra's record and and strength of schedule and all that good stuff will lend them to a more favorable seed than that of what Charleston or Delaware or even William and Mary would get. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you put a team in, they're able to get a win or two in the NCAA tournament. It gives you money. It gives your yeah. conference some notoriety. It's all very positive. I don't think you want a team that was 9-20 no. in the regular season somehow sneaking in uh, and taking it from Hofstra. So. Kind of like what happened to Hofstra last year when they had it kind of taken from them by Northeastern. Right, and the Northeastern got absolutely obliterated by Kansas. I don't know if Hofstra would have been a ton better, but they obviously had some Hofstra might have nice also players. had a different, different draw type of thing, too. Right, because they probably had a better resume, yeah. yeah. So – a lot of stuff. Who's that left-handed dude? That's so broad. Hofstra <laughs> star last oh, year. Oh, Justin Wright Foreman? Yeah, I totally blanked on his name. <laughs> Justin Wright Foreman. He would have been a really fun guy to watch yeah. in the NCAA tournament. He was one of the better players in the uh, scores in the country. Yeah. So he would have been fun. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think – I mean, I'd be very surprised if Jamie made any run. But I guess it'll be interesting. At the very least, you hope he can get through Elon and just pick up 10 wins yeah. to not have a single-digit win season. That would suck. But – yeah, I mean, I I feel like if they lose one of those first two games, there's probably either Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, there's an announcement coming out about moving on from Lewis Rowe. Yeah, and then you go, come into it and you bring in what we posted. You bring in Shaka, uh, Papa, <laughs> you bring in Jim Beheim, uh Calhoun, and... Uh, I don't even know, but Popovich was... I know he was... Uh, Dealing with some personal business, they said yesterday. Yeah, it was, it was coming up to Harrisonburg and interviewing. I'm for not the sure job. what that is, but I would, I would assume that he was checking out the Jamie. Yeah, but I also found that wording weird when they said personal business and not personal matter. <laughs> like, 
Like that made it seem like he was like becoming a McDonald's <laughs> franchisee. Like, is it personal matter? Like, is something wrong, or is he like personal business? <laughs> He's like, oh, I got to do a real estate deal. <laughs> anyway, they should. What they should do is hire Becky Hammond, the Spurs assistant, but they won't do that, and she'll probably be an NBA coach one day. So she probably shouldn't do that either. But she's also probably great. making two million, three. Million. Hey, she's making a lot more <laughs> for sure. But she should be a head coach somewhere. She should. So, she should. But it shouldn't be. A it team. shouldn't be a team. But I'd be cool for Jamie fans. Add add her to the list of pipe dreams. Yeah, and we kind of talked about it last year. But now you have the bracket in front of you. Do you want to give any CA tournament previews? Anything like that? Oh heck we yeah! We kind of don't. I actually think it's. Week. I think it's going to be kind of fun. Actually, like aside from JMU, I think that the rest of the tournament could be really interesting. You look at. Charleston Delaware being a quarterfinal matchup wild. is awesome. That's a great game. That's going to be that game uh, I think 1 week ago was amazing. Granted it destroyed me because I had a parlay parlay fits going <laughs> and all my other teams actually know Utah State lost that night. Um to I was like a pretty weak parlay. No, if that parlay had hit I would have won $400. Um, but you, it seems like it was pretty far off. But it, it well, Utah State lost on a last second shot, and okay. then Delaware okay. lost on a last second shot. So okay, okay, it was very close, and my heart couldn't take it. But that game was fantastic. Delaware had like a a double digit lead with like six minutes left, and then who else but Grant Riller just decides to put the team on his back and just carried them to a win. That's going to be a on a neutral site. Going to be yeah. more favored towards Delaware just because of Delaware's proximity to D.C. But that is going to be the game I have circled. I'm going to find time on – what day is that? March 8th. Sun- yeah, Sunday, March Sunday afternoon. Uh, I'm actually going to be working. But I'm gonna f- I'll have it on my, my computer up on the side because that's going to be the game of this, this championship, I think. Yeah, I think that side of the bracket to me is a lot more interesting because I yeah. think Charleston and Delaware are really interesting. Hofstra at one. Like, I assume Hofstra will get through that. So you'll have Hofstra versus the Charleston-Delaware winner. That's going to be a really awesome semifinal if it happens. And then William and Mary, I think – I don't think Towson's that interesting to watch, in my opinion. So if you have, like, Northeastern, William and Mary could be an interesting one. But I think if you've got William and Mary, the two, you got them against Hofstra, Charleston, or Delaware, to me, that would be a really fascinating uh, championship. Yeah, I think the winner of the CAA will be coming out of that side, that, that top of the bracket, the – I think so as well. Just because William and Mary's had a weird season. Yeah, they've been, I don't know, their inconsistency kind of weirds me out. I got to think there's a little pressure internally about having the program never making the NCAA tournament. I think if they get there, they can certainly make a little run. But the inconsistency worries me. Hofstra's been steady all year. Yeah. Charleston, you know that they can go to Grant Riller and get a bunch of buckets. And Delaware just sort of finds ways to win. So William and Mary, I think they were my pick like a week ago. Yeah. Um, I have some doubts, but I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with my pick and say they win, even though I think it's probably more realistic that the top half gets through. But I'll say William Mary takes advantage of maybe a weaker bottom half and wins something. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with my Delaware pick to win it all. I've been on that Delaware Blue Hens hype train since really the beginning of the season, and I'm not jumping off now. But I think it would be better for the CA if Hofstra won. Just because I, I, yeah, I, I do so think too. Hofstra has – I, have the, I think they have the the tools to win against a better team. Like, they kind of have that – the ability, two different scores, different guys that can put in buckets, really three different scores. 
that can put in buckets and, and win a game for him. Where Delaware, it's kind of that tough grind it out, which gets you wins in the CAA, but I don't think it gets you wins in the NCAA. Right. I mean, Hofstra's also just been so solid all year. It's the only team in the conference yeah. with a scoring average scoring margin of, of plus five points per game. They're at 7.4. Like, they've just been really steady all year. Like you said, they can score. It's a team that played in the NIT last season. Like, it's the kind of team that a league like the CA wants to send yeah. to the NCAA tournament. They've been there. They played well in the regular season. Like, there's that's kind of the team you want to send. And this is a good time. We might have a really long podcast because as things as we're talking, I'm just thinking about other things. But this would be a good time to kind of discuss the idea of having the regular season champion yeah. get into the CA and maybe having a postseason tournament where you bring in the Patriot League or or the A10 and ha- maybe not the A10 because they're vastly superior to the CAA, but kind of having like two mid majors come together and having their own like postseason championship to bolster resumes for at larges. To me, that would be a lot better. Like a lot of people talk about um, March Madness and they're like, no, no, I like the automatic bid from the mid-major conferences because it adds like that intrigue, that drama, because there certainly is the next, you know, five to seven days or whatever across mid-major leagues. It's going to be a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, you'll get so one these... random ass team, like, right. make it, who then get demolished in the first round or maybe in the first four, but it'll make for a great story this week. That's exactly. And that's my issue is that like Hoff, let's say JMU goes on a run. Like it'd be fascinating to see a nine win team rattle off four in a row, get in at 13 and 21. You're like, what in the world happened? But I think from a March madness perspective, like, I don't know about you. I'm much more tuned in the NCAA tournament than I am in like the Atlantic sun conference (laughs) tournament. So it's like, I don't care about those stories really at all. Give me a team like Hofstra that is good enough to upset a team in the NCAA tournament. That's what I would like to see. And then, like you're saying, if you maybe you play the Patriot League and maybe somehow teams both through their resumes enough in those sort of tournaments, and they're also sort of staying fresh, all these teams, um, and or at least like ready in terms of playing basketball games so they don't have a huge layoff. But it could bolster resumes where maybe the, a league turns into a two-bid league. Maybe William & Mary picks up two wins. Like this year, it certainly wouldn't happen. But maybe they did yeah. pick up enough wins to become a two-bid league or something. Like I think that would be a lot better yeah. for the mid-majors. And probably wouldn't even do it against the Patriot League. But say you do it against a better conference like the A-10, yeah. where if you pick up three A-10 wins, maybe say against a Rhode Island VCU and Richmond who all have a lot higher net ranks than that of the CAA, a team that's kind of on the fringe would make be able to push it over the edge or even vice versa fit to the Rhode Islands of the A10 who are right now kind of on the bubble and they don't win the A10 have them go into this 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 tournament with the CAA and then they pick up three wins and they're all great wins on neutral sites if you could if you could do that then they bolster their resume and I, I, yeah i just think it adds so much more to the month of march but we're on jmu sports news podcast discussing this not in the boardrooms of the ncaa right and even if they didn't somehow work out a tournament or they could even do this conference tournament i'd still i don't know i just feel like the automatic bid into the ncaa tournament should go to the team that had the yeah, best regular season like the best team like, you know what like, i mean like why the fact that the automatic bid is just like What's the point of the regular season then? It makes no sense. I mean, I know that Hofstra, like, let's say they lose in the first game, they're going to the NIT because you get, like, an automatic NIT yeah. berth. But no, like, you think any kids grow up, like, on their driveway <laughs> hitting hitting game winners in, like, the NIT second round? Well, like, no. Well, speak for yourself. I, I did. <laughs> you were in the CBI. You were in the, <laughs> all the, whatever no, I was in the college insider.com. 
was like <laughs> missing, missing shots like Jane needed to lose at South Carolina Upstate. No, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I think it'd be better for the NCAA tournament if you had the best team from each mid-major league playing in it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that hasn't been – like, didn't the Ivy League do that? And then I feel like they switched to now their conference tournament determines it. It used to be, I think, Ivy League regular season champ, and now I think it's the turning, I, and I don't, really, I, I don't know why they switched yeah, it. Yeah, because some are the regular se- – like, there's a couple out there that are the regular season, but I'm not really sure – but we're also we're not saying it for all conference. At least I'm not saying it for all conference tournaments. I'm saying it for like the lower end mid major. Yes, like the low. Yeah, those low major. Like if you're the ACC, like no, you should give your auto bid because if you can get UNC this year to run the table and win it, you'd be stoked to get an extra team. Yeah, in. and like an A10, A10, I'd probably do the regular season champion. Yeah, just in I'm case because they they only have one bid right now. Remember when the A10 had three to four bids? Like it a month ago? It, the A10's the A10's a pretty solid league for that looks like a one bid league. It's a really solid league, but like they beat up it, it's kinda like a CAA football like problem where they beat up on each other yeah. when they get into conference play. Like Rhode Island and VCU both were doing fantastic and it looked like they were gonna get Dayton, Rhode Island, VCU, and Richmond was on the bubble there like a month ago, and then VCU decides to go on a five game losing streak. Rhode Island drops a couple tough ones, and then Richmond just Richmond's, and now they're down to a one big league, and all those guys are first four right. out or next four out. So, right, yeah. I mean, it's it's fascinating college basketball. So I'd love to see, you know, the CAA do that, but we'll see if it ever if it ever happens. Or I mean, if they do the conference tournament, I almost wish they would. Um, I know they won't probably do this either. I wish they would play it on a campus site. Like, if you're going to give the auto bid, shouldn't, like... Like women's basketball? Yeah, like, or or I wish they would do it with the right... I guess maybe logistically that'd be so yeah. hard. But, like, like if Hofstra wins the league, like, why can't Hofstra host? Well, like... Like, that gives them an advantage, you know, for actually winning the volleyball league. Volleyball does that, where it's, like, last year's champion. I don't like, I don't like that, though. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I mean, I get that <laughs> logic, but it's, like, if a team, like, wins it the one year... And then they lose four seniors and they stink the next year. And then they're hosting. It's like nonsense. But I, I don't know. I wish like the team could win it. And then you'd be like, all right, we're doing everything at Hofstra. But obviously logistically, that'd be probably a nightmare. Yeah. That, I don't think that would be possible logistically. I feel like some, do some of the leagues do that. Some of the leagues do it, you know, they don't host the entire thing. They'll have like, the it's first, just like a game or two. Yeah. Right? They'll have like the first round or two at, I think the Patriot league does that. I think conference you conference USA has a really weird setup. So does, um, I think the Valley and Mac, I think they all have interest because they have so many teams in theirs that they have like yeah. a lot. They, they were trying, they explained it one night and I was just glossed over when they were like, okay, seeds one through four get automatic buys until the semis. And then seeds five through 17 do one game here. And then I'm just like, whoa, whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I wish they did something that would help the one seed out a little more. Yeah, I agree. You know, that <laughs> <laughs> was, was close to being a good transition. Yeah, that, I... It had the makings. Yeah, then it just kind of fell on its face. Women's basketball, we're just going to do a hard transition. And I like it. I like Women's that. basketball, We last game they played a convo. We were talking about it. Last week on the podcast, now it has finally happened. The convo is 
done. We'll talk a little bit more about Convo. In our next segment, we want to talk a little bit of women's basketball. They beat Delaware, and now they have two more games on the road to wrap up the season. Give me, in a nutshell, what you expect from this team in the next two week, two games. Excuse me. I think they. I would expect them to win both games. Um, I think Jamie is good enough to win both games on the road and, and close out the regular season strong. And I think they need to because, as we talked about last week, they're legitimately in the at-large picture, which is kind of surprising to both of us. But they are. Like, the bracketology – on ESPN has them as the last team in, I think. And if they're able to keep picking up road wins, that helps the RPI a little bit, keeps you in contention. The record obviously looks better, which the NCAA selection committee might love just the hitting 25 wins in the regular season. So got to win both. think they can win both. I would expect them to win both and then go into what I think is going to be a very competitive conference tournament. Yeah. As things have shaken out, that UCF win has turned out to be really yeah. big because UCF is actually kind of a, a solid player in the AAC now. And then that UVA win has kind of that UVA loss, excuse me, is becoming not as bad of a loss as it was when it first initially happened. Cause UVA's kind of done some stuff in the ACC, correct? Yeah. They were fought pretty hard in the ACC. I think they finished eight and 10, which isn't amazing, but it was good enough. Yeah. They picked up enough solid wins that, that yeah, their, their RPI is decent, so it's really not much of a blemish on the resume. Obviously, the Maryland loss, certainly not a blemish. So that's that's helpful. And then the Taos, Drexel one's not even really a blemish because they're solid. The Towson one's really the only ugly loss. Yeah, which who would have – when that all happened, like after that Towson loss, and then at that time UVA wasn't the best team, UCF hadn't really built into what they were, it just looked like a bad – like season after that Towson loss, I remember. I was just like, wow, like things can go down quickly here. Right. The resume's gotten so much better. Yeah. And then the fact that they've rattled off so many of these blowout wins, I think certainly doesn't hurt what they're doing going into the tournament. Yeah. And then two more games at Elon at William and Mary. Two easy, not easy wins because that raw raw stuff. Any CAA game's a tough one. But let's be honest too, um they're better than these two teams and they should win them both. And Take them into the CAA tournament where a lot can happen. Do you think they need to win a game or two in the CAA tournament in order to kind of shore up that at-large bit? Or do you think it doesn't matter as much? Or do you think they just need to win the CAA tournament regardless? If they get to the finals, and let's say they're paying, playing Drexel and they lose to like top 50 RPI Drexel on a neutral floor, I think they can still get in. If they go out and they lose to one of the worst teams in the conference like they did last year, adding sort of this big blemish to their resume, I think they're probably left out. So I think they're very much on the bubble, which is better than I expected, you know, a few weeks ago, like you said. But I do think they probably need to take care of business in the next two, and they probably have to get to at least the semis of the CAs. And I think probably the finals to feel good. And actually to truly feel good, I think you got to win the whole thing and just get the automatic yeah. bid. But I think if they lose in the finals to Drexel, I think there's a very strong case uh, for Jamie to still make the field. Yeah, that'd be kind of the dream scenario for the CAA. Would be the, Drexel winning it all, and then Jamie losing to Drexel in the championship and making it in as an at-large. Right, and I haven't looked at, at Drexel's resume. I don't know if they could get in an at-large either, I, I, or if Jamie has a better resume. I don't think so, mainly mainly for the fact that when I look at all the bracket, bracketologies, they um they don't have Drexel on there. I think it's because they give him the auto, though. Is that... Well, right now, might be wrong. since the latest bracketologies come out, um, JMU's the number one in the CAA. I think they're tied, aren't they? Technically, like the one, but The ESPN JMU... I'm looking at gives Drexel the auto. Really? 
Yeah. Then, so that's then why I was mind. thinking that they would they would do it. But I don't know how the tiebreaker works. Because right now, I, wouldn't the tiebreaker then just go to overall? I don't know. If that's it. Might be neutral. Maybe it's other opponent. I have no idea. <laughs> we sound I was, they so have seven smart. losses though. Okay. So I would, I would venture a guess that they do not have the same resume. The same resume. Twenty-one and seven is not uh, quite. What are they? Twenty-three and four? Is that Jamie? Something like that. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know that the seven that might hurt. They've got a loss to a ranked DePaul, but then they've got losses to like Pacific, Buffalo, Bucknell, Penn. I think those probably end up looking bad. looking rather bad. So yeah, I think your your case is right, where it's best for the conference if Drexel wins the the auto bid and Jamie gets that at large losing in the championship game. That would that'd be interesting. I know Sean O'Regan talks a ton about wanting two bids for the league, but I don't think he wants it this year. He wants he'd rather win, just win and get in. But. I think when he says that, he means he wants Drexel to perform better in non-con so that <laughs> they, when they lose in the championship. Exactly. It's a... But it, I don't know. I think it'd be a lot of fun if Jamie did make the tournament. I think Jamie fans would really rally around I think, an NCAA tournament. Yeah, tournament. and I think they have a real shot at getting to the second weekend. Like, yeah, I don't think that's hyperbole. Mm-mm. I don't think so either. They're a good team. And the thing that stands out to me is they just have so many weapons. Like where in years past, it was like if Kamias didn't have a great game, it was like, all right, well, that's about yeah. it. And I think this year they've got enough with Jackie, Lexi, uh, Kiki Jefferson to, you know, they've got other scores that can actually do stuff. Yeah. They, they're scary this season. I mean, so many different, like, I lost my train of thought. Does that ever happen to you? You're just talking, and all of a sudden, you just lose it. Oh, hell, all the time. But all they time. have so many different ones with Kamaya, Jackie, Kiki, Lexi, all averaging nine-plus points a game. Like, scary good. And then add in on the back end, Kayla Cooper-Williams, Madison Green, Kayla Cooper-Williams again because she's listed twice in the statistics. <laughs> I mean, Rain Tucker, Devin Merritt. You're a fan of Jalen Carradine, Correct. So I hadn't watched, like, a ton of Jamie women's basketball this year. I watched a decent amount. But I watched them play Drexel. And late in the game, they were giving uh, Jalen Carradine a lot of minutes because they're up. They won by 30. So, they were, I mean, they were up a ton immediately in the game. And they gave her, what, only, I guess, what, 15? Sorry, yeah, 15 minutes. But she was so fast. Like, I didn't realize how fast she was. Like, she would take it up court. And she'd be dribbling. And there'd be two Drexel players on, like, both sides. They'd be well in front of her. And then she would just, like, split through them both. As everyone was running full speed, I was like, whoa. It looked like a running back like going through the hole. So I was impressed with her. I think defensively she's good. She has that speed that they maybe don't have some other time. So I think she's a decent player that could log some minutes. Rain Tucker is finally giving JMU a player outside of Kayla Cooper-Williams who can come in and grab you 10 rebounds, yeah. which is huge. So I think that – you look at the fact that Devin Merritt hasn't even played a ton. Um, she didn't play much in the, the blowout over – over Drexel, but she ended up getting six minutes at the end and went three for three. She was just dominating in the post in garbage <laughs> time. So I think when you've got a player like that who doesn't even see the floor that much, but you know you can turn to if you need 10 minutes and somebody to score in the post, it's awesome. So, I mean, the depth on the team is impressive. The ability to score with multiple different options is impressive. Like it's a, like you said, it's a team that could get to the Sweet 16, and it would not be a surprise. No, not at all. And, and just kind of a, a side note, how it's really cool to see Devin Merritt kind of take a step back in her role like in, in years past she was a starter and, and got more minutes than 11.9 a game and it's kind of cool to see a senior kind of step back for the 
betterment of the team when it, there's a Rain Tucker that, that's really coming on strong. There's a Kiki Jefferson there that's kind of taking some minutes away from you. I, I think that's, that's very impressive. Yeah, for sure, especially just, like, staying locked in, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you're up 30 against Drexel, you come in and you dominate the game, <laughs> score six points, you end up scoring more than more than Lexi scored in the yeah. game. I think that's that's kind of impressive to just stay locked in and, and do that. And she's certainly a weapon if they get into foul trouble. Oh, yeah. oh she can come in and, and do it. And that's that's the kind of thing that matters when you have, like, seniors that are willing to stick with your program, even if they aren't maybe getting the same minutes. And then, you, you know, in the conference tournament or something, if you get in foul trouble, she comes in and steps up, it's – what what it takes to be a champion so man that was that was some good rah-rah talk there that's what it takes to be yeah, a champion I, and i think <laughs> i feel like they're gonna get, i think they're finally gonna get it done this year they haven't ever won the caa under coach o three years two heartbreakers to elon and then and then last year was the absolutely most ridiculous injury thing i've ever seen in my life i guess it was two years to elon was it yeah yeah they lost. They had the one. They played it in the convo with Precious, yeah. and she was really, really good. But they year. still lost because Elon was a yeah. better team. Yep. And then they had. Then they played it. Where did they play it the next year? They played it in Philly, I think, in Drexel, and Elon whooped them again. I think I covered both of those. <laughs> and then last year's was crazy. yeah. Last year's was just injuries on injury. What Kamaya went down. Madison Green went down. Lexi Barrier went down. Yeah, it was like combined the last couple games, and then Lexi like and Madison were both like, maybe they were one before. I don't know, but it was insane. Maddie was, went down in the season finale, and I think Lexi went out with a broken hand or something like that in the, in the game, game. Right? Like if in like the first <laughs> shot, her hand came down and then she was gone, and then Jackie took like thirty-two shots. It, it was basically <laughs> just Jackie, and she had an off night, and then she took she took twenty uh, threes in the Delaware win. By the way. 23s. God, that's so... The team took 29 and she took 20. That was wild. Six. She was 7 of, 20, 7 of 23 from the floor, scored 20 points, but took 23. So not her that's most efficient. That's what you call a scorer. I absolutely love that there is not a three-point shot on the floor that Jackie Benitez has seen and will not take. She's like, boom. Well, if they can get her going for the tournament, man, they, they need her. Her going. shots, too. And, like, her, her stroke... It makes you think that each one's in. It's so smooth, like the catch and just boom. And it's like, oh, that's in. And then it's like, boink. She could pull up from like just inside half court with that stroke. And I'm like, boom. And it could hit the backboard and like no rim. And I'm like, huh. But no, hopefully they can get her going and, and figure out ways to, to pick up some wins. But I'm excited about the team overall. Rain Tucker had a double-double in the, the Delaware win, 11-10. and 10. She was 3-for-3 three three from the floor, 5-for-5 five five from the free-throw line. You don't see that every day. So very impressive stuff from the youngster. I just – I don't know. I like this team. I think it deserves to be – like it's, it's an NCAA tournament. It is. Team, it know? is. It, you just look at the way they played in their non-con schedule. You look at the way they played number eight at the time, Maryland. You look at the way – they played UCF, which has turned out to be a really good team that just put up 90 on Wichita State a couple nights ago. Like, and they held them to, what, 43? Like, you just look at stuff like that, and, and that shows you that it's an NCAA tournament team. And then when you look at the way they've just absolutely obliterated the CAA, it's a tournament team. Right. And I don't, I don't want to overreact, but I feel like they're very close to taking, like, a big step forward as a program. And I think that, that almost needs an NCAA tournament appearance like if you get that 
you couple that with the fact that you then have Kiki Jefferson and Rain Tucker going into next season and the new arena, and you add in sort of what that means for recruiting. Yeah. I feel like they're very close to like a burst forward to becoming like a fringe, a consistent fringe kind of like top 25 team. I agree 110%. That's a great point. So I think it, it would help a lot. I also think it helps just mentally for like O'Regan to actually get to one, you know, and be able to coach in it, the players to get into it and sort of get that monkey off their back, so to speak. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. So fingers crossed. We've got two <laughs> games left there, and then we will – I guess next week we'll probably have like a preview pod of that. Yeah, for the women's tournament. I'm really excited for the women's tournament. I'm also really excited to move into the new Atlantic yes. Bank Union. That Whatever new condo. The bank. The bank. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should we go – do we want to do the the reminiscing on the dimly lit convocation center? Or... Yeah, I guess, I guess we both just kind of throw out some of our favorite memories in that building. I have very limited memories. So do right? I. Because all the good years, when you talk about the best memories of the convocation center, were like a decade or so before I was alive. Um, well, that's why I kind of like qualified it with like some of our favorite memories. Not like some of the greatest moments, but like, mo- like right. memories we have and. It doesn't have to be a win. It doesn't like anything like that. Like just a time in the car. There was one. I got to find it. It was, I think it was at Matt Brady. And I was like, I didn't always get down to the lower level of the student section. Sometimes I would sit just higher up and sort of chill. But every now and then I would go to like the lower level and I'd be like, I'm going to get into the game. And I got to find the date on this one. Let me find it. They played somebody really tight. And I think it went to like, it was either Northeastern or Hofstra. It was one of those teams. And we were talking trash to like the people, and they could legitimately hear what we were saying. And that was, a, I think it was. Here we go. Let me see if we can dig this up. Huh? Sure, it might have been that one. They, yeah, I think it was that one. They played. Uh, no, it was the Northeastern. Went to triple overtime. There we go. <laughs> February eighteenth, twenty sixteen. Three thousand plus plus in the combo. That's been a while since that triple OT. Triple OT. JMU was legit this year, right? So this is in mid-February. This is their, lost... 20, their last 20-win season, correct? They lost. This would have – yeah, yeah, yeah. This game would have given them 20 wins. They were 19-8 and eight going in. They end up losing 19-9, and nine, but a really scrappy team, competitive. Yohani Dallenbear had 26-10. and 10. Ron Curry dropped 21. Jackson Kent, three for four from behind the arc. <laughs> Joey McLean, throwback, 15 points. Like, they had a bunch of dudes that just scored, and it was a heck of a game against a really good Northeastern team. And the issue is that they had a guy that was going off. They had Quincy Ford, who was playing at a high level. He dropped 36, and he kind of killed it. But that was one for me. It was like a good atmosphere. The fans were into it. Triple OT. And it wasn't – I mean, it's not – it wasn't the electric zoo, right? It wasn't back in the 80s where it was like wild and Jamie was legit. But this was a 20-win mid-major team that people thought could make make a run at the NCAA tournament um, and contend for a conference title. And they ended up falling in a close one. But, like, they're – I guess my point is they weren't that far away, like, in the time that we were youngsters from being, like, a, a tournament team. Yeah. And just crazy to see, like, that fall. It's been a, uh, a steep drop. <laughs> That's and, to say the least. And they played – I don't think I watched this one because I think I was doing something. But they ended up playing – Hofstra, it was like 11 days earlier and it went to overtime and they won 98-95 and just a crazy high scoring. But like, that's the kind of thing they did do at times under Brady. Uh, Brady. It's like they would beat some of these decent teams. They would beat a solid Hofstra team that had um, 
What's the guy? Rokas Gustis, the rebound machine. He had 18 boards. That was a freak. Oh, I forgot about him. He scared me. He was awesome. But it was awesome. Like, they played well. Johanny Dallenbear was good. Ron Curry dropped 31. It was like, it's just, it was fun to watch when they were competitive and like a 20-ish win team. And I think that's part of why people are so frustrated with Brady is they could have those games and win 20 games and then they get in the CAA tournament and just like completely <laughs> piss all over themselves and, and lose <laughs> immediately. And I think that was maybe the frustration is why does this keep happening? But he had them playing respectable basketball and now you watch them now and they you know if they go five possessions with one stop in there i'd be pleasantly surprised if they go five possessions making one shot i'm surprised it's just oh man it would i think people would really rally around the team if it was decent if yeah if it was a perennial ca contender i think it would have fantastic fan support but I think right now on a Thursday night, you can find a lot better things to do than go to a, the con- – well, now looking forward, the new bank. The bank. But, like, finding better things to do than watching a team going to lose by 20. Yeah, that's fair. How many times do we think that um, if JMU, like, banks in a shot on a Saturday, <laughs> people are going to just, like, combust and be like, the bank is open on weekends. <laughs> it's going to happen a lot, but, Yeah. But I don't know. Do you have any any top memories? Probably the Appalachian State game in. I, oh, I didn't go to that one. It was 11 2017, Thanksgiving break. Thanksgiving break. Yes. And it, I think it was my first game calling on Madison with color. Oh, wow. And I remember going into it, and App State's not good. JMU's okay at that point. And. I just remember calling that game and it was a crazy comeback down the stretch and JMU ties it up and they just go to double OT and nothing really crazy about it. Just the fact that one, it was my first game calling and it went to double OT and JMU came away with the win. I do believe when I was color commentating, JMU only lost one game. I just want to throw that out there. I remember you were on like a weird streak that year. <laughs> I th- that was 2017-2018, JMU was – I'm looking it up now. At home, JMU was 7-7. Seven, seven and seven. I'm pretty sure I called four of those. <laughs> they need to have you call more games. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. That, that's what it – yeah, it really did come down to that. But if it's not that double OT win for JMU, it's probably their last second heartbreaking loss to Delaware when Ryan mm. Daly hit a corner three to win it. And then JMU had like a 10-point lead in that game. And I remember feeling heartbroken after the game and was just like, darn, that was such a tough loss. But you know what that game taught me? What? There's going to be a lot more of those moments in the row era. And you've lived through them. <laughs> and we make it through. And now Ryan Daly doesn't even play for Delaware. Shout out St. Joe's. Memories. <laughs> and then I didn't go to this one, but they beat Radford, receiving votes Radford oh, last throwback. year in the convo. I did watch it. I streamed it. It seemed like a pretty good atmosphere. Well, even looking back at last year, do you remember when they went on that – they won three out of four down the stretch, and they, including the overtime win at Hofstra where Matt Lewis nailed like a regulation buzzer beater to send him an OT. Yeah, and then they just needed and to then, beat – Then they came home. 
Oh my god, they come home, they lose to Elon by 15, then they lose to William Mary by four in a game that really wasn't all that competitive. And it was like, what are you like? There was the I think that was very close to being like the turning point where they like close strong, win a game of the conference tournament, which they did, and then like you have all this momentum going into next year. Instead, they just completely showed their their issues with the program where they just, you know, floundered. Well, yeah, I mean, going into those last two games I remember last season. They, if, if men's basketball had won both of them, they were like the four seed or the three. Like, like the <laughs> right. CA was so tight. I mean, it's tight packed every year, but like that Hofstra OTU win was huge because it knocked them down. A, like, all of that stuff. And they were coming off. I mean, they did get destroyed by Northeastern, but I mean, you win two of those games. It might have even been the five seed, but you jumped up from right. the eight seed all the way to getting a bye. They wouldn't have, yeah, they wouldn't have had to play in the trash, and then they would have been able to play like a four-five, and then matchup. they lost. Both and then if games. you win, and then if you win that, then you're able to, then you're in the semis, well, then, right? And then it just looks better. And then it looks even better. after even after losing the Elon game, like that blowout, it was like, okay, well, if we beat William and Mary, and like all these other things happen, we can still be like a six seed. And then they lost. And then they lost. Even this year, they opened conference play seven and seven and four. They're two and sixteen since then, <laughs> because that's the conference record. They're two and sixteen. They've only beaten UNCW. Uh, oh man! In what in in the year twenty twenty, the only team Jamie has beaten is UNCW. That's a good little snippet. How sad is that? <laughs> <laughs> so beat Elon at least something, man. I don't know. Whatever. And then Here women's basketball memories. I remember um, the loss with Precious Hall, where they did lose to Elon in the conference tournament. The oh, hug with her and Reagan. That was, was special. Pressure. It was a big time hug, though. And then also, I think it, I want to say it was my freshman year. Maybe they played ranked UCLA for the season opener, and they beat them in like overtime. <laughs> really? And yeah, it was it was wild. I think <laughs> I showed up late because I had class, and I was like, "Oh, I'll swing by." And they ended up beating number twenty-three UCLA on yeah Friday afternoon. In November, ninety-one to eighty-seven in OT, and I was like, "All right, <laughs> they're, they're legit." Like, oh my god! Do you see who they played right before that game? Those are a little. Uh, oh my god! It's all full <laughs> circle. We're gonna throw up Lenore Ryan in an exhibition. Wow, how weird is this? How weird! I didn't even realize they ended up. I didn't follow them that well this year. They ended up playing Pittsburgh at home uh, about a week later, and they won. Right, sixteen. <laughs> this team made the NCAA tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they played Ohio. I remember that one. They played Ohio State. I streamed that game. Lost by ten, ninety to eighty in the NCAA tournament. But Precious Hall put on a show. See, twenty eight points, and pretty much every time down the floor she shot, she had thirty shots. I think my favorite women's basketball memory was last year. Mm-hmm. when Elon came to town. And I know Elon was a bad team last season. Yeah, but it was a little revenge factor. But it was after, like, it was after losing two CAA championships to them, and then this team was on a roll, and then they just obliterated them 82-30. to 30. I've had some, some great women's basketball memories in the combo. They're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Just a really just, good team. I'm, I'd probably any Kamaya, like, shimmy or, like, shake and bake or just – Amazing move is one of my favorite memories. Watching Kamaya play in person was fantastic. Yes, for sure. The other one that stands out is Logan Reynolds had a steal on a William and Mary player. Was it the one and where she said she was going to steal it? 
shoot yeah shoot they were like the william mary player there was a scuffle because i was actually covering the game so i was right in front of me like on press row and there was like they fell on each other and they both got kind of tangled up and kind of mad and like logan reynolds was legitimately pissed <laughs> and she said something to her and then the girl took the ball out was just coming up half court normally looked at her and tried to cross up reynolds and reynolds stuck her hand in there as she crossed up got all ball ripped it away and had a layup fast break layup and basically just like flexed on her and i was like that was nuts God, Logan was, was fun. She was a fun player. She was really fun. I think Coach O would describe her as a gnat. I think that yes. his descriptions of Logan Reynolds were some of my favorite descriptions. She's a great on-ball defender. Very frustrating. Last favorite game of mine in the convo, WNIT against Virginia Tech, beating mm. Kenny Brooks. Do you go to that one? Yes. How was it? Fantastic. I think I, I worked that one. I remember watching it. It was uh... – that's a great it was, yeah. It was cool, too, because, like, JMU fans, as, as sometimes crazy as they are and, like, morb- not morbid, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Just intense, blinded by their love for JMU. Yeah. Like, JMU fans know how much Kenny Brooks means to the program. And having them in there and, like, beating Virginia Tech the way that they did was kind of cool to watch just because they didn't boo Kenny, but it was kind of like a little brother or little sister, like, getting revenge back on the big brother, big sister. And it's kind of like respect type of thing. Like, just having that unfold. And not to mention it was a great game. was just really, really cool to see. Yeah, that was was one of the best. That was such a good one. And also really cool this year to see them have the record that they had just to close it out the right way. Obviously, the men's team really struggling to go. When they go 14-1 and one in the one loss, they should have beaten Maryland. Like, it probably should have been a 15-0 and 0 season. But to go 14-1 and one at home and give the fans so many wins on the last, last leg was pretty great. Yeah. And seeing Kenny Burks come back for that Delaware game was cool. Yeah, for sure. Very special. And all the other players. Just looking at the group picture for the women's game was amazing. So many, like, WNBA players, like, even if it was just a season or two, so many JMU players have had their stints in the WNBA and, like, professionally overseas. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really cool thing as well, is just how, how many pros this league is, has churned out is very impressive. Yes. Yes, it is. The most impressive. So, moving from Convo yes. to softball. Okay, here we go. I'm just going to kind of, I think, throughout this season, you have so many just not hot button things, but like <laughs> you're so not flippy floppy, but a little bit into it that I really just want to give you the floor for softball and just let you go. And I'm, I'll butt in where I see necessary. I just love college softball. <laughs> but I was, I was fortunate enough to cover Virginia softball yesterday. They opened their new stadium, Palmer Park. And I was covering it for the Daily Progress, and they happened to open with JMU. So incredible, incredibly convenient for me. Able to watch this game, able to watch the Dukes. Duke it they out. They were no hit. They were no hit through four innings, and then they scored ten runs in the last three innings to beat Virginia ten to three. So the first game in Palmer Park history is a JMU victory, which is, I guess, good for the Dukes. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean I've watched. A decent amount of this team play. I've followed pretty much every game on the staff broadcast, and I've I've been alarmed at times. 
and I've been confident at times. I've gone from thinking that they're never going to win again to thinking they're going to win the national championship in a matter of moments. So there, there are a lot of emotions, a lot of emotions throughout. What are you stirring your coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You can hear that. Of course, I can hear that. There are a lot of things going on, but it was no. I mean, it's exciting to see what this team has on the roster. Um, and they've won four in a row. Odyssey Alexander has not pitched in a little bit. I think there was nothing official on her. It sounds like she might be back in a few games, but there's nothing official, so I don't really know on that because they, they didn't really seem to know what her injury is or what or what's been keeping her out. But we'll see what happens there. Obviously, they need her to be able to do some things. But they've got a decent resume despite some disappointing losses. Like, they have some losses that are weird and confusing, but they also have – they got a road win at NC State. they got a road win against Virginia. Virginia's going to be okay. Um, they've got a road win at North Carolina. They've beaten Missouri. They've beaten Texas Tech. Kansas is playing much better than it was early in the year, so that loss is not as bad. Two losses to Georgia aren't that bad. The one to Lehigh is weird. But again, when you don't have your ace, it kind of makes sense that some of these results will happen. So Bermudez, Alexis Bermudez in the circle, was good against Virginia. Caleb Bozeman shown some nice signs so far this season. So I don't know. I won't panic yet. I still don't think they're going to host a regional, but I'm not going to panic. I think that they're doing some nice things. The offense is legit. They were no hit through four innings yesterday and stayed very calm and then had an offensive explosion. I just think there's so many talented players on the team that it'll work itself out. Couldn't have said it better myself. But, yeah, I've also had multiple, you know, mental breakdowns. Yeah, yeah. About My that. favorite is when I'll just get a text from Bennett and just says, like, yesterday when you were – like, there were times when he would text me from the game and not say <laughs> what he was texting about and just be like, we suck. Or, like, all <laughs> hope is lost. And I'm like, what is... I was very surprised by the start. And I think I was like, oh, wow. Like, they're not getting a hit. They're losing. <laughs> they're struggling with that odyssey. And then you look at how they respond later where they stayed calm. And it was like, oh, this is just a very good veteran team that yeah. knows what it's doing. And I have no idea what I'm talking about. So I do think kind of those lulls will come back to bite them. Like, they're gonna, when yeah, they're, they're gonna playing some good teams, I mean... The next time they play a good team, what isn't until they play Virginia Tech? In all honesty, that's probably the best one. UConn's decent. Um, Eastern Kentucky's decent, but yeah, in terms of like a ranked quality opponent, yeah. So I mean, it it probably won't really show itself that many times. But I mean, if they start slow against Virginia Tech, or when it comes down to World, I mean, uh, regional, super regional, World Series time, then that can really that'll cost them some losses. But right now I'm not really going to hit the panic button because pitching really does matter. And like you said, having your ace out is huge. And especially when you have two huge question marks behind him in Bermudez and Bozeman and Kelly, I mean, really three huge Mm -hmm. question marks that while the team is trying to win now, they're pitchers that are trying to figure out their own style and their own way of pitching at the same time. So you really would like Odyssey back because if, if Odyssey's back, I don't think you lose to Lehigh at the NC State Invitational. I think you 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 beat – when was the last time Odyssey played? I think she played – Was she at the Georgia uh, Classic? I think she's – yeah, she played in that. Okay. So, yeah, I, I just don't think you lose to Lehigh. And I think things can smooth out, but – We've said it over and over again. I mean, it's the CAA they're playing in. It's not like they're playing in some hugely competitive softball um, conference. So it might not hurt them right now or in the near future, but I think in the long run, when it comes down to it at the end, 
kind of those offensive low lulls will hurt them and cost them a couple of games. For sure, for sure. And I think in a weird way, it's beneficial to be able to get Kelly, um, Bermudez, yeah. and Bozeman some some starts now, just in these games that are probably winnable, just get them innings, get them confident, because they're obviously, at least it seems like they're going to be a big part of Jamie Softball's future. So that's important. And Isabel Kelly, congrats to her. She picked up her first career win on Sunday against North Carolina A&T. Five innings shutout. So some good stuff there. Kayla Bozeman's done some good things. Alexis Bermudez as well. So still lots of time to develop, lots of times to do things. I still kind of stand by the fact that I don't think they'll host a regional just because of the strength schedule, but it's a very good softball team. It's a very good program. They're going to be a ton of fun to watch. Um, really hard to make any judgments about a team before they've even played a home game, you know, like let's <laughs> and their ace is them, out. Right. Like give them some chances to do that. And yeah, I think when Odyssey pitches in the postseason, they're going to have chances to win because the offense is so good and, and Odyssey is able to do some good things. So I am, I am excited about the rest of the season. I will say that. You know who else I'm excited for the rest of the season for? You're a big baseball supporter. Baseball. They did drop one game against Ryder, but they won the series two wins to one. They dropped the head. How do you how do you say a doubleheader? They dropped the first of the two in the doubleheader. Yeah. Okay. Against Ryder, they lost that one three to two, but then they came right back and walloped Ryder Broncos. I assume. Um, 16 to two behind Jay show Justin Showalter is absolutely showing out as a fantastic pitcher. Nick Stevens is all over the Jay show train. Um, give him a follow over on Twitter and read some of his awesome content that he puts out on jamiesportsnews.com. But this team is showing flashes and I think, I think they'll be good too. I, nothing's really changed though from what we said last week to this week. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of these teams, you know, there's not too much going on week to week that will drastically change the perception. But yeah, it's, it's nice to see baseball seeming like it's putting a nice product on the field. Hopefully they'll be able to continue winning and maybe do some things in conference play. I think that's when we'll really learn about baseball. Unlike softball, baseball, you learn a lot about them in conference play. Softball, you pretty much learn everything in non-conference yeah. play. So it's like a weird flip-flop there, but They've got some good pieces. It's it's good to see them winning games and having a winning record after what an zero three start. Yeah, but the, at that zero three start came against a ranked NC State opponent. So of course, harder to of course. You just want to play them well because um, baseball is not on the same playing field as softball is in terms of comp- competing right. on the national stage. So the fact that they were competitive in really two of the games. Um, a four zero mm-hmm. loss and a nine six loss. You could argue they were competitive in. Um, is overall yeah. a good showing for that. And then going on that five game win streak, six game win streak, dropping a tough one to Ryder and then coming back and blowing them out. I think the sixteen two win might be more showing of it because those doubleheaders are so tough. But I mean, they did win the first one eight seven, so maybe Ryder in the back is better than that I'm giving them credit for. But. Pitching is showing up, and that's what we said that needed to happen for them to have a solid season, and so far, so good. For sure, and they're 7-1, and one, like, you, like you mentioned. They're 7-1 and one against teams that aren't nationally ranked, <laughs> right? So that's, that's a decent start for the season, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. And what, the one was, was it a one-run loss? Yeah, 3-2. to two, so. And it was a doubleheader, so. Exactly. So We'll call that some good loss. Some good stuff um, with both softball and baseball, which is certainly exciting as the spring sports season gets ready to sort of take over. You know, else is having, you know who else is having a good start to their season? 
the team that always starts well. Football? Jamie Football, <laughs> Kurt Signetti, they're off to a hot start this spring. Post and workouts, they're a front runner to land Jabril Cox. North Dakota State transfer. You, you heard it here first. Oh my goodness, man. The amount of North Dakota State fans that have panicked over that. Like one team isn't one team one player doesn't make a team. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but in like, the back right. of their mind, they're like, crap, we lost our best defensive player. I think my favorite was the post where it's like entering the transfer portal doesn't mean you're going to leave. And then an hour later, he posted a statement like, I want to play in the FBS. It's like, no, nah, he's leaving. <laughs> Thank you uh, for your, your input. Like, actually, people can go in the portal and then come out of the portal. He's coming out of the portal <laughs> with a new uniform, my friends. <laughs> You've lost your linebacker. <laughs> and Trey Lance isn't still behind. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I, I do love that just the the amount of people like, well, okay, well, this doesn't change anything. Yeah, but it's, it's not the best. Yeah, I mean, if we lost Rondell Carter going into his senior season last year, we would have had a different defense. Also, and let me get your take on this, but I'll, I'll share mine first. Do, like, there are a lot of people out there that were talking about how, like, he could have stayed at North Dakota State and it would have no effect on his draft stock. I think that's blasphemous. The idea that you, like – an entire season's worth of tape against exclusively FBS teams wouldn't benefit him is insane. That and also like, and I get the thing of um, if you can play, they'll find you. I get that when it comes to like baseball and like those types of sports, but football, like it matters who you're playing against. Look at Rondell Carter and John Daka, two of the best players in the FCS. And I'm not saying that like in a hyperbole, they were legitimately two of the best edge rushers in the FCS. And did yeah. you see them at the combine? Like exactly. If, if they did half of their production in the FBS, I guarantee you they're at the combine and they're a, they're drafted at this point. It's lucky if one of them is in a seventh round. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's what's so interesting. It's like, those are both really good players. They could probably go to like a big 10 school and make an impact. And, I mean, Carter was recruited at Rutgers and, and was there originally. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're Jabril Cox, who's put in three great seasons at the FCS level and a Big Ten team is willing to take you and you can go out there and have, like, a, I don't know, all-conference kind of year, even if it's, like, third-team all-conference. You're in the combine. You're going to be way more draftable. Yes, he's not going with the, the combine. combine. If he's six through senior year, and even if he wins the Buck Buchanan Award, there's a strong possibility Jabril Cox is not in the combine. Right, there's, absolutely no gar- there's absolutely no guarantee when you – when you um, play at the FCS level. So the idea that like, well, well, Carson Wentz, it's like people will find quarterbacks anywhere, like a linebacker. Yeah. No. Like Andrew Anker so was a fantastic linebacker. Granted his skill set didn't necessarily translate to the NFL, but he didn't even get really a shot. Right. He didn't really get looked at. So, I mean, if you're good enough to play at the FBS level, go, you might as well give yourself that game tape. And I, I saw some fans that were like, well, we open with Oregon. It's like, all right, well, he would have one <laughs> chance then. Like, you'd much rather play, like, a full Big Ten slate or something where he's able to get, you know, an entire season of tape plus his FCS work, plus that, plus a potential combine invite, plus, you know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know. People aren't Yeah, and, I mean, this is a difference. It's also, like, even if he did have a sh- – if he showed out in the FCS, he's then a diamond in the rough and he's going to be drafted, like – Later on in the draft, Nazir Adderley is just a completely different story where he was like a first round draft pick out of Delaware. Um, right. That's just, that's the oddity. That's not the norm. And like FCS fans kind of latch on to like the Adderleys and the Wences of the world. And it's like, they'll find you if you can play. Those are, those are the difference. Those are the oddities. The norm is an undrafted guy who then 
blows up in at in the NFL, like your David Johnsons, your Jimmy Garoppolo's, like guys that are late round draft picks. So for Jabril Cox, would you rather be a late round draft pick and make a two hundred fifty thousand to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in a season, or would you rather be a rounds three through one if you show out the way we think you're going to show out and make two to seven million a year? It is a smart financial yeah, decision. Like, everything <laughs> about it. Like I hate how we how fans like will attack kids for like setting up themselves for generational wealth. Right. And it doesn't have to be a it's not like a, a black stain on North Dakota State. Obviously a great program. Obviously they've developed players into NFL caliber players, but like the idea that it's it's not any harder to make an NFL roster yeah. or to be drafted in the early rounds coming from an FCS school is just nonsense. But you know who else is having a great start to the season? Lacrosse. Yes, lacrosse. Our long tangent brings us back to lacrosse. Three and one. They play tonight? They do play. We're recording on Wednesday. So they play today at four against number 21 ranked Penn State. If you're listening to this, you're listening to it on Thursday and it's already happened. Something happened. Uh, (laughs) JMU 11 11 to nine victory. Um, I'm going to go JMU 12 to eight. Just based off yeah. their last three games. All right, <laughs> <laughs> literally just average. <laughs> Very deep take. What did I say? Eleven yeah. and nine. I like that. I'll stick with that. Um, but yeah, rank Penn State though. If you're listening to this somehow on March fourth, you can watch it yeah. on NBC Sports Washington Plus. It's also in Harrisburg, so if you've hacked this, like you got forty <laughs> minutes to still go out there and watch. Enjoy. Um, yeah, solid start of the season. I really haven't watched them much. Um, if I'm being no, honest, but... they have a fantastic freshman. They have a fantastic yes. team. Like they're good. It's a real good group. They haven't played in a while. I also think I think they're ranked 16th. Oh yeah, they're at Penn State's 21, so it's a little 21-16 matchup, which I think Jamie fans. Oh enjoy. wait, what what what's that? What what are those numbers signify? We beat Tech <laughs> way back in the day. I don't know if a lot of people forget that. <laughs> Jamie fans don't like to bring it we up. We only have, what, five more years of being able to say that? I know. Well, then we'll beat him again. I hope, man. I hope. I like our chances. We'll probably have Gage Maloney there. <laughs> He'll be a ninth year. He'll be Hunter Etheridge. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I got my, my things confused. He's got the talent level of Hunter Etheridge. <sighs> Gage Maloney's going to be a hell of a holder for the next year. I do think we are more likely to have an FBS transfer than an in-house quarterback start week one. And I will say that every podcast until I'm proven wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a transfer. I wouldn't be surprised if Juwan Hamilton got the nod. <laughs> what if we just went Wildcat. to a triple All-time. option? The amount of All-time running backs we have, we should just run a triple option. Do you remember how scared everyone was right before the Houston presser? <laughs> when they're like, are we going to run a triple option, Mike? <laughs> and he was like, no, we're going to run a spread. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. Awesome. He wouldn't have been hired if you came from the triple option. The only reason he ran the triple option is because that's apparently all service academies want to run. Yes. You got the body type of people who have to, you know, actually do things in their lives. So you've got fewer massive linemen there doing the triple option. I still think, Jamie, you should have a triple option package. I 100 – I feel like every team, no matter what level of football you are playing, should have a triple option package. Do you know how wild it would be if JMU against North Dakota State in the championship just opened the game in triple option? <laughs> People would be like, what in the like, fuck? It would be it incredible. Works. Like, if you're not prepared for the triple option, you're screwed if they can run it well. 
Yeah, you got three weeks in between the semifinals and the championship. Implement that Perfect shit. Triple option. Implement it. That would be so badass if a team did that. Like, <laughs> it's just <laughs> they beat North Dakota State in the championship. <laughs> so in so when JMU hires you and me for the men's basketball. All the coach everything. The men's yeah. basketball coach. We're going to come out after the tip and run a triple option in basketball. Pretty wild to think that there's a legitimate chance that um, that um, they have a new coach. <laughs> Not a new coach, sorry. That they don't have a – that Lewis Rowe could be gone a week Is from today. Is it weird that a week from today it's more likely that we would be the next JMU coach than it would be for Rowe? That's kind of sad. Is it? It's kind of <laughs> also wild that it's more likely that JMU is going to fire their head coach then they're going to make the semifinals of their conference tournament. Is it more wild? <laughs> Is it more wild than a cheetah? <sighs> as wild as it gets. Um, anything else to add? No, I'm excited. I think Jamie men's basketball is going to make a run and win the national championship. And I think softball is going to win the national championship. I think baseball is going to win the national championship. I think lacrosse is going to win the national championship. All right. Men's golf is so pretty much a lock to win the national championship. So. On a side note, before we finish this one up, Natalia Nicolopoulou and <laughs> what did you just say to me? <laughs> and Daniela Volo uh, won CAA doubles team of the week in women's tennis, and Alvaro Arce and Josh Raimundo um, they won CAA doubles team of the week in men's tennis. Wow. Nicole. Oh, the women's tennis team is yeah, absolutely very insane. good. Tournament again. They are nine and three, folks, and they have beaten um, some of these notable wins here: Penn State, Georgetown, Maryland, GW, George Mason. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. They're they're a very good team. Maryland beating Maryland. That's and in College Park. That's like whoa. They're good. They did drop a heartbreaker. Um, one of their last ones. All their losses have been heartbreakers. They've all been 4 to 3 if I'm not mistaken. 4 3 4 3 4 th- Yeah, they have. They're pretty close to being 12 and 0. Think it, yeah, that's wild. Against some big time opponents. This is a legit team that I thought was going to like explode when James Bryce left, but this shout out yeah. to them. Impressive. And then men's golf. I mean, I can't even begin to explain my excitement for the next tournament. So. The Tiger Invitational, March 8th <laughs> to March 10th at RTJ Golf Trail, Grand National in Opelika, Alabama. So I'm looking forward to that one. I think it's going to be a good opportunity. Uh, what's coming up after that one? Let's see. I clicked on it. So now I have to go back. <laughs> I got really excited. All right. It didn't even take me anywhere. What? It just took me like the same thing. Okay. Then the Dukes will travel to the Mission Inn Spring Spectacular at the Mission Inn Resort El Campeon course. Wait, at the Mission Inn what? Ha- Mission Inn Resort at El Campeon course. Space. Howie in the Hills, Florida. How is that a town? Howie in the Hills. What? It's all hyphenated? What in the world? Oh. Is that Mason Hosa? I'm gonna have to text. I had a friend who used to, I, a friend from high school, played college golf at Mason. So I'm gonna text him and be like, "What in, what in the world is Howie in the Hills? It's a place." Yeah. So they they only have four tournaments left before the um, conference tournament. Yeah, and if they place well in them, they can get more votes. Yo, they're going dancing. They're going dancing. 
They're going to the NCAA tournament first time in program history. They're going dancing. I'm going to be there. Are you? Jack and I'll, Jack and I'll be on the Are we going crown. to Southport? I'm actually down for a road trip to Southport. Oh, wait. I No, not the conference. We're oh. going to the uh, – <laughs> We're going to the NCAA championships. We'll be on the ground at the regionals. I feel um, like we could maybe, get – Maybe catting for the guys. Like we could get press. I think we could get credentialed for that. I think so too. Hey, we're on the mailing email list for the men's golf team. That's weird. <laughs> That's wild. He te- Jason, no, Jason texted me one time. He was like, hey, do you want to be on the list? And before I responded, he's like, I added you to the list. <laughs> I was like, yes. Oh, let's look. I'm looking so, at our uh, internet now, our Gmail now. Our internet <laughs> I'm looking at the, <laughs> the worldwide web right now. Uh, it's a long pod. Yeah. Well, I'll wrap it up real quick. Um, yeah. So that's that, that's about all we have for you this week. It is a longer pod. Thank you for sticking with us. Tell your friends to listen. Last week we only yes. had 54 listens, and that makes us really, really sad. So tell everyone who's somewhat of a JMU fan, your mom, uncle, your postman, to give a JMU Sports News a listen. Follow us on Twitter at JMU Sports News. Find us on Facebook. Type in JMU Sports News. In the search bar, check us out on our home on the web, www.jmusportsnews.com. For Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. See ya. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.